This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. As always, a lot to talk about. Your phone calls are primary. If you make them, we'll start out with a story. It's pretty disturbing. And it has to do with the UN, which is an organization we haven't really talked very much about in recent times. Uh, I guess I haven't seen anything about them meddling too much as far as in the uh, the, the realm of uh, what's going on here in America, at least. You hear about them on, if you listen to uh, NPR. They talk about how the UN peacekeepers are sexually molesting children around the world. Uh, well, I've, I've heard the, uh, the the allegations. That's sure. what this story is about. It's from The Economist and uh, from a little earlier this year. Organizations that send peacekeepers and aid workers to dangerous places are usually concerned about their envoys' physical safety, but an uglier concern has recently surfaced how to ensure the moral integrity of people who are supposed to be helping others. A report uh, recently by the British branch of Save the Children, an aid organization, underlines the problem. In a study carried out last year in three places with a strong international presence, southern Sudan, Haiti, and Côte d'Ivoire, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Ivory Coast. The Ivory Coast, there you go. The charity Mm -hmm. said that uh, it had found widespread sexual abuse of children, some as young as six, by aid workers and, above all, by UN peacekeepers. More than half of the 250 boys and girls aged 10 to 17 that were interviewed said they knew of such cases. But the abuse remained widely unreported, it said, because most of the children were, shocker, too frightened to come forward. Mm. Sadly, the report tells a familiar tale. The U.N. in particular has been plagued by sex scandals among its peacekeepers in recent years. After a particularly shocking series of rapes by Nepalese blue helmets in the Congo in 2003, Kofi Annan, then U.N. Secretary General, set up a committee of inquiry. Its damning findings of repeating, uh, repeated patterns of rape and other sexual abuse by peacekeepers prompted Annan to announce three years ago a policy of zero tolerance for <laughs> such crimes for all of the 200,000 or so personnel, civilian and military, who are employed by the UN and its agencies around the world. So that should have solved the problem, right? Now zero tolerance, going to crack down, make sure these, uh, you know, twisted weirdos are taken off the force. Yep, uh, Kofi Annan announced zero tolerance, yep. so that should take care of it right there. Problem's been solved. Well, let's find out. Uh, the world body has always banned its staff in the field from having sex with prostitutes or anyone under the age of 18. It also strongly discourages sexual relations, even with consenting adults in the host population. Conduct and discipline teams have now been set up in each of the U.N.'s 17 peacekeeping missions, along with an overarching special unit at its headquarters in New York to help eradicate the scourge. So they've hired more bureaucrats on to oversee the existing bureaucrats. (laughs) In addition, since 2005, all new peacekeepers have been required to undergo training to prevent sexual exploitation. I can can only imagine what they think when they're they're doing this. I I can see that they, you know, they think, well, the U.N., it's an important body. Uh, You know, it's sort of the world's government. We, you know, here we're we're getting military men from around the world and we're sending them places and they're sodomizing people. (gasps) What do we do about this? We need, we need an oversight committee Overseeing, or something. Yeah. You know, they don't it's have right any... out of the Russian, you know, the, the Soviet 
Soviet Union textbook. It, it's very central planning esque. That's that's certain. Uh, but y- I don't think they can think outside these lines. What do they think? Well, they can't imagine for a second pulling out their peacekeepers sure. because d- government d- never imagines stepping right. back. They never imagine that they've uh, you know that, that they're they're meddling in something they shouldn't be involved in. They just want to be able to do it better. Now they're not. Um, incentivized in the same way the marketplace is to do things better. There's customers, feedback, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, it, 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 I'm sure they want to do the right thing. They're just incapable of it. Well, certainly since 2005, now that all the so-called peacekeepers have been required to undergo training to prevent sexual exploitation, you know, going to one of those little classes where they say, now don't say this and don't do that, uh, cer- certainly that solved the problem, right? Well, no, according to the story, the abuse continues, seemingly unabated. Following the scandal in the Congo, there have been serious incidents of alleged rape of civilians by blue helmets every single year since. In Burundi in 2004, Sudan in 05, Haiti in 06, Liberia in 06, and the Ivory Coast in 2007. Last year, the U.N. received 748 allegations of misconduct by its peacekeepers, 127 of which were involved uh, involved sexual exploitation and abuse. Most, if not all, will be investigated, just like the cops around in America investigate right. uh, their own when they are alleged to have done something wrong. And then 99% of the time, the investigations come back as well. They were... You know, they were going by the book. Everything's well, fine. The, 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 yeah, the people investigating themselves kind of look at the situation where, well, we have these uh, police officers or military person persons there, and, you know, ad- additional uh, b- bad press is going to be bad for us. So we have to have them there. Uh, they're, they're, by and large, doing the right thing. They're keeping the peace and, and uh, putting the criminals away and all that other stuff. But and, and this would this this kind of, uh, you know, black eye on our organization isn't going to do anyone any good. And the person's already raped. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll give them some money. In the case of cops, they never do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe we'll give them a little hush money. Uh, yeah, that's that's how they think of it, you know. They're they're looking at the uh, their or, their own organization and, and what they have to benefit. Well, it says here a few of those cases that will be investigated are likely to lead to convictions or even sanctions. But when it comes to its blue helmets, the UN finds itself in a bind. Although it can and does investigate any serious complaints against them, it has no jurisdiction over the alleged culprits. Only their home states have the authority to try and punish them. Most peacekeeping troops come from the developing world, Bangladesh, Nepal, Ghana, uh, Pakistan, India, Jordan, Nigeria, some of the biggest contributors, and many prefer to sweep such incidents under the carpet. By the way, when they say peacekeeping forces, um, this is, the old term was mercenary. I mean, that's all they are, is that these countries are selling their uh, army personnel. Mm. And the army personnel probably get a spiff for being in combat zones or right. whatever. And then the, the country itself gets some money for sending its troops off, and, uh, just like the Hessians in uh, the, the Revolutionary War. All, of the, uh, all that the U.N. can do is dismiss the naughty boys and recommend their repatriation. As all peacekeeping troops enjoy absolute legal immunity, the host country cannot do anything either. So, kind of confusing. It says that the home, their home states have the authority to try and punish them, but in the same paragraph it says they have legal immunity. So, well, they have legal immunity from the host country. So, Nepalese troops in, say, Ghana can't be prosecuted by Ghana, where the oh, rape occurred, but they can be prosecuted back by in their Nepal. home in Nepal, which Got is it. much less likely. And some countries probably have legal systems where they can't prosecute for crimes outside of the country because usually <laughs> jurisdiction is restricted to 
one country. Let's assume they have a court system that might be somewhat similar to the United States where they gather evidence and you face accusers and things like that. How's that going to be done half a world away? And by yeah. very poor people. I mean, if if you're in a war zone that's where peacekeeping troops are present, then you're probably not going to have a whole lot in terms of resources to take this to court in a foreign country. This is yet another example of how it is that the the more centralized anything is, and of course the UN is about as centralized as governmental systems get. I mean, it, it really uh, is the definition of central. Until we start occupying other planets, the UN yeah. is the biggest centralized governing body in the world. It just goes to show that they just become more and more insulated from any sort of uh, consequences that could befall them for doing what are some of the most awful things you, you can s- possibly do to another human being. You send military guys, which uh, you know, enl- enlisted men don't tend to come from the upper crusts. Generally, uh, you give them. Uh, well, that doesn't. Now, wait a minute. Just because you come from the upper crust doesn't mean you're less likely to be a rapist. Um, I I think that it's. Uh, I think that you could say that crime is probably committed on a um, violent crimes are probably committed on a larger scale in the lower income brackets. Ian, I don't know if that's true, Mark. I think that you would find that rape happens at all kinds of levels, and it's probably the case that many of the the people who are of the upper crust that are getting away with rapes are getting away with it because they're insulated from uh, it may any very sort well of prosecution. Be the case. I, I, you know, it. Let's operate from that idea. They they don't come from the. Well, they, they they don't. It's not necessarily their economic class. It's also some countries don't have as much of a cultural aversion to rape as we in the mm. West do. I mean, there's there's there are a lot of developing countries in Asia and Africa where women just aren't viewed as people to the same extent that they are here. So I think you're more likely to see differences in in the way women are perceived culturally. Not that it's necessarily all female children that are being abused, but I would guess that largely it is. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Just one example of how, again, the more centralized the bureaucracy, the more untouchable its members are. And, of course, we already know that federal government people and even some of the local guys are virtually untouchable simply because they protect one another. And, Mark, I think you've got a story about some police possibly sodomizing a man smoking marijuana. I don't know if you've got that ready. We'll get to that here in a moment. So take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That again is shrine.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. For those of you who are undergraduates, graduate students, and recent graduates, this March you can join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free, and IHS provides housing and meals during the conference. So apply now to attend a seminar at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through 12th, or at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, March 14th. Through the 19th. Visit libertarianseminars.com for more information. That's libertarianseminars.com. All right, our number here is 800 259 and we are going to go to your phone calls. Mark, you get the uh, sodomy story. We might get to that here if we got time, but of course, your calls are primary. So let's start with Ofer in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, first of all, let me say that I'm actually a long-time supporter, but this is only the second time I've listened to the show, last night being the first. Wow. Interesting. Welcome aboard. It's kind of strange, I know. 
because uh, I had heard about you when I moved to New Hampshire, and I saw that you guys were being successful at spreading the message. So I decided to support you, but I'm very busy, so I rarely got time to actually listen to the show. Well, I, I hope that uh, uh, after having listened to one show, you feel as though you are, are doing the right thing. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I realized that I was probably right in not listening because I started listening last night, and every two minutes I wanted to call up and refute a point. Or <laughs> uh, and I actually called up, and I was on hold for an hour and a half because I didn't know to call the amp line. Uh, so I actually started taking notes while waiting about all the issues we were discussing. Great. Notes uh, are very but, helpful when you have multiple things to say, so that way you won't get sidetracked. Right. Go ahead, sir. So there are two points. The first one I wanted to talk about was uh, you guys were discussing – employing the free market to support liberty activism yesterday. Yes. Uh, and I had a similar theory a while ago um, when I was reading up on the tax resistance movement. Um, and I was uh, this was during the heyday of the uh, Ron Paul Revolution. So mm-hmm. I was uh, my first thought was, oh, we'll establish a chip in. And that way, uh, you know, anyone who, who gets hurt can, uh, you know, from, from their uh, participation in tax resistance, could get supported by the chip-in. Mm-hmm. But um, that has the same flaws that any collectivist system has. So instead, I started thinking, well, how do we employ the free market to solve this problem? And it occurred to me that perhaps the best form would be in the form of an insurance company. So let's say you decide you want to participate in the tax resistance movement in some fashion without getting into the details of what legal theory or anything you're going to approach. Uh, you could take out uh, you know, tax resistance insurance from this insurance company. Uh, and their premium, your premium would probably be based on their evaluation of how effective the tactic you intend to employ is and, you know, tailored maybe to your particular financial or legal context. Um, and if you get screwed, then the insurance plot kicks in and, uh, and helps you out. Have you ever uh, heard of the, Save a yeah. Patriot? What's that? Have you ever heard of Save a Patriot? No, I haven't. Is this basically what I just described? You may want to look into them. I don't think they're as... I don't think it's as an intricate of, an, of a system in that they're not offering a policy per se, and you know they're not analyzing your tactics or anything like that. But it's my understanding, and I don't I don't have a real detailed understanding of what Save a Patriot was doing. But it's my understanding that it was a similar concept in that there were multiple members, and these members were contributing x amount of dollars <clears throat> x amount of dollars per month to the organization. And then when one of the members of the organization were to come under, if they were to come under fire from some governmental entity, uh, the organization would spring into uh, act spring into action and send you know money to help this person out so it was a similar concept and i know that the feds did go after save a patriot recently i don't know what the outcome of that was it may still be pending i i haven't looked in quite a while but if somebody out there listening knows a little bit more about what's going on with save a patriot you're certainly welcome to chime in so that's one of the things you're going to be dealing with with you know something like this with an idea like this is you're going to be attracting attention from the people uh in the various different governmental organizations and they will want to shut you down. Exactly. As was pointed out last night, if you're too successful, they'll change the laws. So ultimately, this is probably not a long-term way of how we're going to succeed, but it might be a, a short-term way to, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure I agree with the tax resistance movement, but yeah, I'm always interested in ideas on how to help people achieve their goals, even if I'm not necessarily sure that it's the best way to go. Okay. So what else did you have tonight, uh, sec- What's that? I, I was saying, what else do you have tonight? Uh, the second point was uh, regarding the topic of conspiracy theory, which came up while I was waiting to talk about the first thing. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to speak in support of or against conspiracy theory. What I want to do, uh, do instead is draw focus to the mythologies that I think are clouding the issue. 
Um, so I'd like to start, uh, first start with uh, an example. Uh, one of the great myths of the 20th century is the, uh, the desirability of centralization, of centralized management. Um, and, of course, you know, free marketeers like, uh, like you and I uh, have um, poked several holes in that uh, on several fronts. So there's the moral argument, which is, A, people simply do not have the right to engage in force. So even if it were desirable, it still can't be allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the practical flaws where bureaucrats don't have market knowledge. Only markets can have the, all the information to set prices. Right. They don't have incentives like uh, competition and profit, et cetera. So there's the moral flaws in the myth. There's the practical flaws in the myth, et cetera. Um, but I want to speak to one of those flaws in the myth that I think is itself a myth, uh, containing a flaw that we are overlooking, and that is the flaw of the incompetence of bureaucracy. Um, uh, excuse me, a flaw in the myth of the incompetent bureaucracy. Okay. Uh, because uh, free marketeers have long spoken about how bureaucrats are inefficient for all the reasons I just described, and there's truth to that, but I don't think that fully captures the whole picture because of this flaw, which I believe exists, which can be summarized as it assumes the dictators are benevolent. It assumes that the bureaucrat, for the most part, it assumes that the bureaucrats are actually trying to do what's right or maybe not even caring about doing anything. And uh, because of lack of competition, because of lack of the profit motive, they're then inefficient. I'd like to propose an alternative view that I think uh, partially represents reality, if not better represents reality. And that is to consider the bureaucrat as a company owner rather than as a bureaucrat. And a company owner is a very different model, right? A company owner has a personal stake. He has the profit motive. So company owners tend to be able to somewhat efficiently manage in a centralized fashion a small company because they have, um, they have um, motivation, they have incentive. Okay. Um, so if you think of a bureaucrat as a company owner, except instead of making money, it's gaining power, but also gaining money, uh, either of them are, are valid, then you can see how a bureaucrat could actually efficiently manage a small group to pursue a malicious agenda. So I think this benevolent dictator mistake exposes the incompetent bureaucracy as a myth. Bureaucracies actually can be competent, just not at what they're, you know, what the marketing states. Like, Social Security has nothing to do with actually protecting people, but it could be doing a very good job at what it's really trying to do, which is probably not something we want it to do. So you're suggesting. Okay. Yeah, I was I was just going to say. Let me. I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from here. You're suggesting that not all bureaucrats have the best of intentions, and that those that have uh, negative or malicious intentions may actually, in point of fact, be quite efficient at doing what it is that they're doing. Exactly. Hang so on. The, I'll bring uh, you back for more. Oh, for more with you in moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And you can bring up whatever you want. That is the point of the program, and it's why we call it Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com show is free talk live you can bring up anything if you dial toll free 800-259-9231 that number brought to you by SACL cai it is ian here with you and nick and mark you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com all the features on the site they are free so enjoy those they include 
the bulletin board system, over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues, the fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. Do you want to buy ebooks, but you don't have one of those expensive ebook readers? eChapter1.com. You'll find over 100,000 downloadable books. And from what they've said, they're the least expensive of the ebook distributors on the entire internet. You don't have, you don't need any special device to read them either. Any laptop, PC, or PDA will do. It's E as an easy. Chapter O-N-E.com. That's eChapter1.com. All right. Our number is 800-259-9231. We are on with Ofer from New Hampshire on the AMP line. And you were explaining to us uh, that you don't necessarily believe that it's true across the board that bureaucrats are inefficient. And you're giving the right. example and, uh, that, that while it may be true in the example of where the bureaucrat is attempting to do the right thing or provide some sort of product or service that could be mm-hmm. maybe provided in the marketplace. However, uh, it, your, your example was that for bureaucrats that are doing malicious things, that are doing evil, uh, you're suggesting that they can be, in fact, quite efficient. And I, and I think I might agree with you in that uh, I've said before on this program that it sure does seem like the government is pretty good at blowing things up and killing people. Right. So uh, right. I'd like to hear, before we go on with your points, I know you had more to say, but I'd like for the panel to chime in on your thoughts on what Ofer has uh, shared with us sure. so far. Um, well, I would say that, uh, you know, when you're thinking about crime as in, uh, d- you know, d- uh, d- distributing drugs or something like that, yes, a police officer could be extraordinarily efficient at that because he has the uh, monopoly privilege of force and can uh, crack down on the people in competition with him or people that, uh, you know, don't uh, pay up to, uh, you know, to, to do business with him or whatever. He would be extraordinarily efficient. However, um, thinking about uh, in a military situation, uh, you know, may, the uh, a large a military would have the advantage of taxing people to uh, pay for its equipment, but I would think that an organization like uh, Blackwater or something like that could very easily, um, you know, take. T- t- I think that you probably would have, uh, you know, in like smaller troop situations, like uh, special forces situations, that Blackwater would do better than say the Green Berets if they chose to do that. I mean, you're right about their that. security, but. When you're talking about tank warfare or battleship warfare, I think that the government has the advantage because they can build these giant things that cost so much money. So, well, I, private I could, industry could build those things, too. I mean, the money's out there. I've only punched a tiny pinhole in what he has said. So that's all yeah, I could do. I still think the free market could actually do all those things better. The free market could do defense and could provide drugs yeah. better than bureaucracy. But uh, I was actually... Well, hang on. Before you go on there, I want to get yeah, next thoughts I mean, here. They could... Maybe I mean they do have the distinct advantage of being able to fund themselves through coercive taxes, which if you're say in a war um, does give you a distinct advantage. I mean you might get higher quality security out of say a free market or defense, but you're probably not likely to be able to sustain any kind of a fight against a government that's capable of taxing uh, and drafting people into its military. So the government right, I think which is are forms pre- of subsidies. Uh, yes, they are, um, but I don't think that the military is necessarily going to be that much less efficient. Quite often it is, but when it comes to a- the actual act of combat, combat forces in the military, I think you're going to see pretty much parity between well-trained government forces and well-trained private forces. Um, they both exist, and I, uh, you know, so yeah, and they, and, bureaucrats. And, what I'm saying is you're you're correct in that bureaucrats can be fairly efficient when they're they've set their mind to say killing people or arresting people. I think your 
somewhat accurate on that. Well, the problem with the government has in combat situations is deployment by upper echelon people. You know, it's Delta Force could have gone in and gotten Osama bin Laden in a story that we had read recently um, in Tora Bora, but they were pulled off by their superiors for some kind of political reason. Yeah, so I'm not so have... sure that was um, bureaucracy so much as it was an intentional thing, but that might be my well, take this is on all true. But I don't want to focus so much on violence. What I want to do is bring this back to my original topic, which was conspiracy theory, and try to build up sort of some larger conclusions. Okay, okay. go ahead. All right. So um, I, I discussed the, the possibility that uh, uh, inefficient or incompetent bureaucracy, might, the myth of it, might have some flaws. So bringing this back to conspiracy theory, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the more popular points that are brought up in generalized sort of abstract discussions of conspiracy theory is that Government is the, the anarcho-capitalist argument that government is inefficient and incompetent, and therefore, how could they do all these amazing things that conspiracy theorists claim that they can do? So, um, I believe that demonstrating that the incompetence and inefficiency can be uh, is a myth in certain situations uh, because it doesn't account for uh, you know um, uh, power agendas and the, the efficiency of bureaucrats to, to pursue those is a, a flaw in that debunking of conspiracy theory in general. But more importantly, uh, I see the problem as being the fact that conspiracy theory is discussed in the abstract. It tends to be a false dichotomy of people who assume that conspiracy theory is everything versus people who assume that conspiracies can't possibly happen, uh, which is sort of like two competing myths. They're, they're both wrong. What I really would like to see more focus on is the real dichotomy of people who assume anything versus people who do not assume anything simply look at the evidence with an open mind and then... Uh, stand behind whatever conclusion they feel the evidence su- su- uh, supports. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that, and I think that we acknowledged uh, recently that there are certainly some real conspiracies out there. I mean, the Federal Reserve was certainly founded in uh, in a secretive meeting on Jekyll Island, for instance. Uh, So there's certainly uh, some conspiracies out there. However, I don't uh, necessarily advocate that anybody spend any of their precious time trying to discern whether or not a conspiracy theory is uh, is true or not. Uh, I mean, it may be a fun exercise for one to spend one's free time. Uh, However, it doesn't really have any relevance in achieving liberty in our lifetime. I mean, whether or not we can determine whether or not we can determine uh, John F. Kennedy was shot by his own government people is not really relevant to you know the the main overarching I think mission that I have in life, and that is to help people understand liberty and achieve it uh, as soon as we possibly can. Well, I agree. The issue of whether or not conspiracy theory is even relevant to the liberty movement is a very interesting one. I think there are good arguments on both sides. I'd love to see it, for example, debated at a liberty forum. Well, perhaps you can get in touch with uh, Chris, who is organizing that particular event, and maybe get him to, you know, throw out the idea to him. Maybe you can hand out little tin hats as party favors, too. <laughs> hey, over. <laughs> thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate the discussion. No problem. Yep, 800-259-9231. Now, I agree with him. It's a, he makes a good point, and that is that... He he did essentially shoot a hole in the uh, the, the comeback that some of the uh, some people have had to some of the conspiracy theorists out there who've said, well, how could the government? It's so incompetent. How could it possibly achieve these things? Well, I, I think that he's I don't know a, a, a giant hole. No, I, a businessman is motivated by power. Also, he wants his company to become more powerful, compete better against uh, the other companies out there. I mean, I feel uh, you know a competitive urge against uh, other talk show hosts out mm-hmm. there. I want my company. You know, my show to do better than theirs. I want it to be on more stations than theirs. I want it to be listened to by more people. I want it to be more influential. I, I want all those things. So I'm motivated in the same way the bureaucrat is. And on top of that, I'm motivated financially. So. Sure. 
it all we're all, all that's being said is is that uh you know that uh, you know there's there's a profit motive in, in that that you know rewards and punishes uh better in the free market well but most conspiracy theories tend to tie into at least some group of people and it's often a small group of people but most conspiracy theories the idea is that there's a group of elites who actually do benefit financially or in some tangible way from say an assassination or a false flag terrorist event or whatever the particular conspiracy theory happens to be. For example, the Federal Reserve Bank, when it was created, was probably pretty profitable for the bankers who helped arrange it behind the scenes. I suspect. So they're, you know, they're they're using. You can use government to draw profits to you, well, even though it's not the free market. The you of, can leverage. In the case of the Federal Reserve, the uh, they aren't actually the government. They just use their government stooges to get done what they wanted to get done. So you know, there's right. But I mean, what what's effectively the difference if you have corporate interests using the power of the state well, to uh, it's, draw pro- one's, profits? One's, one's free market and one's not. I would love but to it's have. Still a government I would love to be program. able to get some government uh, stooge out there to force every radio station in America to carry free talk live six nights a week, three hours a night. But that would still be a government conspiracy theory. Just because someone profits from it doesn't make it not a conspiracy theory. I think we've argued in a circle now, Nate. 1-800-259-9231. We go to your calls about what you want. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number again brought to you by SACL CAI. 800-259-9231. Comment on this or whatever you want. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free. And if you like the show, would like to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. There are over 41 categories in which you can shop, including used items. So head on over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, get the stuff you need for life, and feel good because you're getting a great deal, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items, and uh, you're helping Free Talk Live out all at the same time. So head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com as we head over to your phone calls. Rod is on the line in Canada. Hello, Rod. Rod? Hey there. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Hi there. Yeah, I just uh, I want to tell you guys, you guys got a really great uh, great show going there. Um, I just I don't even know how I found out about you a few weeks back, and I downloaded some of your stuff. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop, and uh, decided to become a, a contributor amp an amper yesterday. Excellent. So uh, um, I really appreciate that. You know, I've uh, I'm, I'm here in Canada, and uh, I'm really I've really been thinking in the last couple of weeks about the possibility of moving there to uh, New Hampshire. Um, talking it over with my wife and I got a couple of young kids and you know you've really intrigued me with that but uh, I, I've got some uh, I, got, I got a couple of questions um, okay I uh, I up here I live on Vancouver Island which is very uh, you know there's a lot of environmentalists mm-hmm. and I, I talk to people of course about libertarian ideas ideas of freedom and I, I have a difficulty trying to answer questions around things like global warming. I, I personally, my, my feeling is that it's, it's greatly hyped and it's mm-hmm. something that we can't even control. But 
I can't seem to really, in my head, formulate something where I can argue with them on a, on a free market basis about that. Well, first I understand the first general idea of, of – uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going in, to interject a, uh, an idea here because uh, words are very important, at least to me, and I think the term argue is something you might want to put out of your vocabulary. You don't want to argue with people because when you're arguing with somebody, they dig into their position and they defend it to the death, uh, whereas uh, if you're persuading someone, then you are simply giving them information that uh, might be necessary to help help them see how their goals which in this case would be cleaning up the environment, uh, how their goals can be achieved through voluntary market-based means as opposed to you know, the current uh, governmental coercive system. So maybe uh, form your, uh, your discussions in favor of uh, persuading somebody rather than arguing with them, simply because arguing doesn't usually, per- uh, doesn't usually convince the person you're arguing with, even though it could possibly convince a third party who was watching the argument. I think it's important to learn persuasive tactics and techniques and go to uh, the Advocates for Self-Government for a really great uh, – it's a great website you can go to. There's lots of information they have and uh, great books and audio uh, CDs and stuff like that that you can get more information on uh, persuasive techniques, and that is theadvocates.org. And I know you were going else uh, somewhere else, but Mark, it looks like you want to jump in. No, I, no. I was just going to uh, you know, comment on one of the ways you – know, the, the environmental issue is you – know, it's a big one. It's a tough one um, in dealing with people, and I'd encourage you to uh, read Mary Ruart's book, yes. uh, Healing Our World, and you'll get uh, you know, a better taste of what it is that I'm going to tell you. But, you know, and, and this is it, – it's sort of difficult for many people to let go of the control aspect. But when you look at situations, um, the United States government is the largest polluter in the world. Um, bigger than any of the, uh, the top – bigger than the – I believe it's bigger than the top four corporate polluters combined. So you're asking the largest polluter in the world to stop pollution. Um, and and I, can, I can best give you United States examples. I'm sure that you can find Canadian ones. Um, but, uh, for instance, the Alaskan National Wildlife Refuge or whatever, ANWR, this is a big uh, wildlife deal, but there's oil underneath them, caribou, and th- the people want it. So what's happened? Slowly but surely, people have been chipping away at this uh, desolate wasteland up there, and, and you know, and the, the environmentalists are all upset. When you put it in the hands of the government, the powerful who want what the powerful will get what the powerful want. I know right. who's demo- more influ- influential, Greenpeace or the oil industry, right? Or Exxon. Um, the, you know, the as, as much as people might want it to be true, as much as they might want democracy to work from the from the ground up, grassroots, blah blah blah. We'll get the right guy in there. It doesn't. It never does. It simply doesn't. You or I or whomever will never have the kind of control it takes to best administer uh, public land, you know, the, 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 these uh, natural lands, as a private person would. And there's all kinds of examples like the Sierra Club, the Audubon Society. and uh, These Ducks are private Unlimited. organizations that uh, take member contributions and use those contributions to purchase natural areas uh, and essentially preserve them in their natural environment, and they do a far, far better job than any governmental uh, park service or governmental land manager does. And Mary Ruard in her book, and I, I was going to make that same recommendation, Mark, Healing Our World, you can get a, uh, you can read the entire 90s edition on her website free at ruart.com, R-U-W-A-R-T.com, and you can buy the 2001 edition, which I highly recommend. Uh, but in that book, she gives all kinds of citable examples of how it is that the government is not the best steward for the environment at all. It's, in fact, uh, 
the government land managers just don't care about the uh, the plots of land that they're managing. And even if they do care, they still aren't as cautious of a manager might, as a manager might be if they actually had a plot or if they actually had a you know if they had a piece of the land if they actually owned it. They don't. Uh, they're just a government bureaucrat and they just want to get their pension. So if they lease out the land to some organization that comes in and clear cuts it, it's no skin off their back. They're not going to have to sell the land to anybody. So it doesn't matter how they take care of it. So there's all kinds of incentives you know that that come into play when someone is a private owner of property they have an incentive to take care of it so down the line they can give it to their grandchildren or they can sell it off to the highest bidder but if they pollute their own private property then they've just destroyed the you know the value that they have in it so there's all kinds of really great examples that uh, dr ruart gives out there but we've sort of been rambling so go ahead with your thoughts Oh, no, I, that's great. You know, that's the kind of thing I was looking for because I'm, I'm having trouble finding resources that can help me with, with this. And, and you guys, uh, I'm going to definitely check out the, the website and books that you, you recommended. About the, the global warming thing, where, where would you guys kind of go with that one in general? Um, because, I mean, when you're polluting something and you're, you know, I understand the whole private property uh, and, and the different psychology that's involved when you own something, absolutely. Uh, when you're talking about global warming, it's almost like the – Sort of smoking issue, you know, or somebody's blowing secondhand smoke over you. But but you know the Japanese are doing it to the Swedish, and you know like how do you how do you address that? Uh, I, I'd be interested in hearing what you guys have to say about that. I you know what or I, I, global I would, warming or climate change or whatever you want to however you want to put it. Right, I would guess that a lot of the environmental proposals that are on the table from the various different groups that are interested in this, I would imagine that they're proposing regulations on the various different corporations that are you know with the what carbon else would credits they do, or right? whatever. <laughs> right, this tends to be the governmental answer to the environmental problems is that well right. we just have to put more uh, stuff in cars you know shove some more stuff under the trunk mandate that all these car you know auto manufacturers have to do this and this and this or mandate that the people with smokestacks have to do this and this and this. And what you end up finding is that the big corporations that are being regulated are actually in favor of the regulations. Uh, the, the big corporations, the corporate entities, they have no real problem absorbing these uh, these regulations into their business model. They just hire some extra lawyers. They do whatever paperwork is necessary, and you know they spend whatever money is necessary to come into compliance. And you know they can pass those costs on because they've got such volume scale. They can increase their their end costs by a few cents and and get those co- those costs covered. Whereas somebody who might be a, a mom and pop entity who d- uh, decided they wanted to expand their business into one of these areas, and again I'm not picking any particular industry, but if if you right. wanted to get into whatever the industry was that was being regulated, the additional regulations just make it that much more difficult for you to bring your business on board and to compete with the existing businesses. And these uh, these existing corporations know this. They understand that the more regulations there are on their industry, the less likely it is that any new players are going to crop up and provide them with some sort of radical, innovative, uh, competitive business model that could possibly turn the industry upside down on its face. Uh, so they have wow. an interest in having the government actually act as their enforcer to keep people out of the business. And it doesn't just happen in the realm of uh, of environmental stuff this happens in you know it happens in your local plumbers guild uh you know it happens with the restaurant association i mean the these are uh, people that have been in business they have an interest in staying in business and they have an interest in keeping new competitors out of the marketplace so they lobby the right. government for things like health code regulations and things like you know plumbers licensing and, and stuff like that and all of these things all of it what it does serve to do is to keep business owner uh, p- potential entrepreneurs out of the industry to scare them off and to to 
restrict the marketplace to the existing players. And yeah, that's detrimental. And those, and those right. business owners are going to provide people with jobs. They're going to provide people with products that they need to make life significantly better. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. That, that's not the greatest argument in the world to some environmentalists. Some of them want us to, to live in caves and think that the internal combustion sure, engine is the worst thing um, that you know, ever, ever was created. But many of them do understand that people need jobs and that products make life better. I hope that helps. Uh, check out Dr. Ruart's book and then come back uh, to us if you've got more. We'd always be happy to talk to you again. I thank you for the call tonight, sir. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number two is on the way. Your call's coming up and about whatever you want. Plus, we might get to the sodomy story. It's Free Talk Live. This November, support the real libertarian. Support George Phillies for president. George wants Uncle Sam out of your wallet, bedroom, and gun locker. This November, send Henry Paulson and those congressional bailout crooks a message. Vote Libertarian. In New Hampshire, vote Phillies for president. Donate at ChooseGeorge.org. That's ChooseGeorge.org. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for president. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. We launch here at hour number two. Our website, again, freetalklive.com. The phone number, 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. That's what the show's about. Chris is on the line in Georgia. Hello, Chris. Chris hey. in Georgia. Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Chris? Well, uh, first time listener, definitely from uh, down in Georgia, so it's not quite as cold down here, but it's pretty, it's pretty nippy. Welcome we're aboard. Down, we're feeling it down in the fifties. Uh, I've noticed that on your on your radio program, there's a lot of ads for uh, protection, and I thought that was really interesting. There's never, I don't ever get to hear pepper spray ads on the public radio down here. But, Couldn't uh, tell you. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to what's on my mind tonight. Um, there's a lot of talk about race politics, especially with the you know this big historic moment for uh, African Americans getting to elect a president, and uh, well they've always gotten to elect a president, you know what I mean, getting to elect the first African American one, and um, it seems like it seems to me that it's very difficult for people to see um, what exactly is wrong with affirmative action, and I think it's it's just detestable, um, especially if they're going to pin. Um, they're going to pin the actions that they've undertaken to put affirmative action in place on the words of Martin Luther King because what Martin Luther King advocated in his famous speech, um, I have a dream, and it's I'm paraphrasing, but it's that someday someone will be judged not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. Right. And I haven't seen content of your character on a job application before, but I have seen race. So I'm wondering why it's so difficult for people to to put away a policy that's just completely... It's based on the exact same wrong premise as racial discrimination against was back in back in the fifties. Well, basically, you have a group of people that are going to benefit from a pro, pro, uh, government program, and uh, you know the vast majority of people, uh, you know, they, they they just don't get involved. Uh, you know, it's 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 not it's the same with everything out there. Somebody has something to gain; they want to get it. It's uh it's it's kind of ugly to go saying you can't have you know preferential treatment just because of your race when they say you know when the uh, when the race happens to be a, an ethnicity that's been treated badly historically. Although 
I have never treated. I have never enslaved anyone. I have never uh, not given anyone a job based on their race. Um, you know, none of none of those things. But somehow that that might be uh, enforced against me. It's you know, I agree. There's also the deeper issue that unfortunately people still want to view themselves as groups rather than individuals. So people tend to self-identify and fracture along racial lines or religious lines, and that's a deeper problem. And to be quite honest, you know, I, I'm sort of sick about of hearing about race and um, in this political campaign uh, for president. That's I, I don't really follow it all that closely, to be honest with you. I'm not terribly interested in either candidate, but I, I'm sick of hearing about race relations as the main major theme of the campaign. What does it matter what the color of a candidate's skin is? I agree with you. I mean, it, it might affect the horse race on the margins. I, I'm doubtful it'll have that much of an effect anyway, but shouldn't we really be discussing the, what the role of government ought to be and the, the actual fundamental ideas that the candidates have and what they're planning? It's not like the they country. were discussing that back in 2004. I mean, no. there's always some sort of there's always uh, some cosmetic, yeah, right. distracting issue to uh, to be talking about. And that that you know, if it wasn't Barack Obama, it would be Sarah Palin being a woman. I mean, there's always some yeah. sort of uh, issue that they can come up with that really has absolutely no relevance whatsoever. Chris, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's continue and talk to Jack, listening in Flint, Michigan. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jack. Hey there, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, last night in the wee hours of the morning, I caught a, uh, a trucker show. I'm in Flint, Michigan, and I hear this program some nights. Uh, you know, it's a uh, 50,000 water WJR. And so I got on. They were talking about redistribution of wealth and taxes a la uh, Osama Barack Obama. So I caught up and mentioned the fact that in the Communist Manifesto, it identifies ten planks. Uh, one of them is the progressive graduated income tax. Another is a central bank, the Federal Reserve. Uh, another is a central government, the United States District of Columbia Corporation. Uh, it identifies property taxes, uh, government-controlled communications, aviation, and the educational school system. So... Uh, as I began to identify these historic uh, precedents, and I, I began to quote, which I'm going to do now, uh, this is out of a book, You Were Born Free, Now You Can Live Free, which I found at Barnes & Noble. You hmm. Were Born Free, Now You Can Live Free, Bob Plimpton. Sounds ten like a good book. The ten modern myths that shackle us without lawful basis. Here's what Congressman McFadden said, Republican of Pennsylvania. He said, uh, we have in this country the most corrupt institution the world has ever known, the Federal Reserve System. This evil institution has impoverished the American people and has bankrupted our government. And then uh, Congressman Charles Lindbergh of uh, Minnesota in 1913 said this, this Federal Reserve Act establishes the most gigantic trust on earth. When President Wilson signs this, the invisible government of the money power will be legalized. The worst legislative crime of the ages is perpetrated by this banking and currency bill. From now on, depressions will be scientifically created. Now, we have Senator John Danforth. Sounds like uh, these guys knew what they were I've talking about. What's that? It sounds like these guys knew what they were talking about. Yeah, and, and in fact, if you look into the 14th Amendment, 
in uh, Section 4, uh, it says the validity of the public debt, blah, blah, so on, shall not be questioned. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the 13th Amendment, it says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude uh, will be allowed, whatever. Okay, so the implication there intimately is voluntary servitude. And that that uh, is established in Article 1, Section 10, where it says no state shall pass any law uh, impairing the obligation of contract. So when one uh, accepts, applies for and accepts a Social Security trust fund number, that uh, consummates a contract between the bankrupted corporate United States District of Columbia Corporation and the the sovereign private natural man or woman. How many people have actually applied for a social security number? I have no idea, but I never did. I never did either. It was my parents that did it for me, so that right. doesn't seem like a legitimate contract at You're all. Right. I could, I could see that if you were accepting their benefits, then that'd be one thing. If you had actually gone ahead and started taking money from Social Security, then it was cl- it'd be clear that you're consenting at that point. But I, I, th- I would think that the supermajority of Americans have never actually consented to this. Oh, absolutely, and here's the evidence of that. Uh, you up in New Hampshire, just like here in Michigan, I'm sure you've heard the, the word trust uh, utilized, the Highway Trust Fund or the Educational Trust Fund, Social Security Trust Fund, everything okay. in government is a trust fund. Now, trust fund as a corporation uh, means corporate trust law. Corporate trust law principles that are legally binding relative to a valid, remember the 14th Amendment says, the validity of the public debt shall not be questioned. Well, that's because, as you have just now very scholarly uh, intimated, it isn't valid. Why? Because full disclosure and good faith they deliberately conceal the fact that applies to this presumed valid commercial nexus agreement or contract. Yeah, the, the government, you're, what you're getting at here is that the government has obscured it. It believes that everybody has entered into to an agreement with it uh, because they haven't specifically uh, pointed out that they haven't entered into an agreement. And you're saying that uh, that agreement the government claims exists, it doesn't actually exist legitimately because it was entered without full understanding of what the terms of the uh, of the offer were. And I, I agree with you there, and I think it's, it's an interesting point, and I'm glad you called in tonight. Thank you, sir. 800-259-9231. Kind of a uh, rough, had a rough time really understanding where he was coming from with that, but I think I, I got the basic gist. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. And, of course, then some people say, well, you have to go through a certain process to unconsent. But if you didn't legitimately consent in the first place, why would you have to go through some sort of process in order to withdraw one's consent? Why not just start living free? More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can, uh, again, bring up anything. That is the point of the radio program. You can also join us online where we've got all kinds of features on our website. We give them away free. They include archives. So if you're relatively new to the program, you want to see what you've been missing, well, or hear what you've been missing, you can go to freetalklive.com, look in the left-hand column of the page, you'll see lots of archives. In fact, they go back for an entire year, completely free, freetalklive.com. 
You know, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about freedom goes on here at Free Talk Live. My first exposure to the concepts of liberty came from superhero comic books when I was a kid. Right now, Free Talk Live listeners can get an autographed set of Freedom Force comics. Now, these are real comics that were produced by a real publisher. This isn't some guy, you know, photogra- photocopying, uh, you know, papers and putting them together or anything like that. These are real comics. And uh, I've got a set, too. Um, they're only 10 bucks for the entire set. That includes shipping. And right now, uh, the first 10 orders uh, mentioning Free Talk Live will get a free set, a uh, free random bonus comic included in their order. So that's, uh, all you have to do is go to comics.thundergodexpress.com. That's comics.thundergodexpress.com. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. Tim is on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hi. How are you guys tonight? Doing Good. great. What's on your mind, talk, Tim? I want to talk about what really happened at the Pentagon. What really okay. happened? Well, what are you talking about? As you know, that part of the Pentagon was under construction for quite a few years to refortify it. I didn't know that. You okay. pre- I, I presume you're referring to uh, 9-11, uh, the exactly. attack on the Pentagon? Okay. okay. Exactly. And, and please don't call me a kook. Hear me out. If you want to stop me to ask questions, that's, that's fine. But when you hear it all, you'll understand. Okay. It's the only plausible explanation. That gave someone free and unfettered access to that area of the building where a lot of employees working there would not have seen anything that they could have done in that part of the Pentagon. Would you agree? I don't know. I guess. I'm just listening okay. to your story. Okay, Go now, ahead. We all know that the entry hole was 16 foot in diameter. I've heard something like that. Okay, and we know that a Boeing 757 has a wingspan of 144 feet. And if you look at the entry mark, how big is the span? How big is the span of like the tube that is the airplane, not the wingspan? But how how big is the tube? I don't know, but I don't know that that's as important as the six tons of stainless steel and titanium engines that left an imprint in the World Trade Center, but not in the Pentagon. I don't know if any of it's really important, but go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, it's very important because the inside of the C-ring had a 12-foot exit hole, and they did that to make the conspiracy theorists go nuts and say, see, a bunker buster went through it. Oh, so they were actually the planning side. to make the people, uh, conspiracy theorists go nuts. Very interesting. So where is it that you're going with all this? Well, hold on. There was also a cab on the south side, south of Columbia Pike, when the plane supposedly hit the light poles. A light pole went through the windshield of that cab, full length, 30-some or 40-some foot high, and stuck in the back seat, but yet it was so heavy and didn't do any hood damage. So that tells me this thing was staged, because Lloyd, the cab driver, said he pulled the light pole out of his car, but yet there was no hood damage when the car was examined. Now, some friends of mine were reading emails between Sergeant Chadwick and Legacy, between another nine investigator who had a website who believes the plane hit the Pentagon, and they said we were on the, on the north side of the Sitco, but we were on the starboard side of the plane, which means the right side of the plane. That meant the plane had to come in on the north side of the Pentagon. Yeah, okay, I mean, this is all a bunch of factoids, it's, and it really doesn't really... Well, the, uh, the, the way you're describing it makes it difficult for, for people to yeah. visualize on the radio. It just doesn't really... It doesn't, right. uh, it's Where are you conducive. going with all this? I mean, are you suggesting it was a missile, that there was just a bomb no, planted? No, I said, I, they mean, planted, you... I said they planted the holes to throw off the conspiracy people. Yeah, I've always wondered with- about that because most people will claim that the, the planes actually hit the World Trade Center and that many of the conspiracy theories purport that they were radio-controlled. So why didn't they simply crash a radio-controlled 747 into the Pentagon? Because it weighs 100 
tons right, and it, it would have done a lot of destruction and killed a lot more people than what a planted bomb would. It would have cracked the foundation and probably landed in the So basement. where is the plane? You're suggesting the plane there was no plane. Did a flyover. There are Pentagon witnesses who were interviewed and they're and on then the they landed it somewhere, right? Where did they land the plane? Where are the passengers? Yeah, where'd they go? Hold on. Forget that for a minute. There was Why? a decoy plane a decoy. did a flyover. Okay, but what about the now, real plane people, with the passengers? I'm sorry, we've got a very limited it, it, amount of time here, and we've got a lot of questions for you. So, what about the what about the passengers on the you know the actual real life people that uh, apparently you're saying are now missing? What happened to them? I don't know, and that's why I won't mm. speculate. But if they killed okay. three thousand people at the World Trade Center, do you think they'd have a problem killing seven? So, where is it you're going with all this? I mean, what's your point? I'm telling you what happened, but you keep cutting me off. No, we haven't cut you off. Uh, if you, when you're cut off, you'll know it's, you'll, you'll be cut they, off. Look, here's what I want to know. Where is it? Like, no, nah, that's all right. I, I've seen all this stuff before. So here's what I want to know from you uh, is what is it that you want to happen as a result of all this? Let's say what it is that you're saying is true and that there was indeed a bomb planted and there was never a plane that hit the Pentagon. What is it that you want? What's your end game? What is it that you want to see occur as a result of your, uh, you know, the knowledge that you claim to have? All right. You don't have any answers, do you? You're just going to yes, shout websites at me? I'm you. asking you a question, and you're welcome to answer it. If you're going to keep shouting websites, we will cut you off. But is, uh, here's my question? question for you. What is it that you want to happen as a result of this information? I think that the people responsible, which will never happen, but they should be brought to justice. So you agree, then, that it will never happen. So what's the point of, uh, of even going through the motions? The point is to let people, Dylan Avery and all these people are leaving this thing open-ended with loose change. All they do is ask a bunch of questions, and they never get to the bottom of what happened, and that leads to another chapter and another chapter of their movies. And what happens is it leaves the public confused, just like Kennedy, and it leaves no final resolution to what happened, and people get confused, and that's why they call the truth. There's a bunch of nut jobs because nobody can get to the bottom of it because they profit from these films. The films that they're giving I away on the Internet? change was free on the Internet. No, no, no. These guys made $60,000 in one month. My friends saw their... I've met these guys. They were the fattest cats in the movement for a while, and they probably gave out a bunch of free ones. So but you, you agree, prof- though, that there's no point to any of this because you understand that uh, no one's ever going to be brought up on charges. So why, I mean, why bother even continuing with this? What's the purpose of it? Why, why bother trying so to persuade people, people to your viewpoint on this? know what happened so that they don't write off. The truthers is a bunch of cooks. Whether anything It's too late on not, that, my friend. That you you guys have been written off. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are written off. Yeah. Yep, and that's going to continue to happen because, well, it's, I mean, really, it's something you can't prove. You really can't prove it. I mean, there are, people will be arguing forever over this, just like they argue forever over the uh, the Kennedy thing. They argue, they will argue forever over these conspiracy uh, situations, these uh, is various different viewpoints. Like you're saying, even within your movement, uh, that there are d- different viewpoints. And so nobody can ever come to any conclusions. And uh, certainly, even if you do come to a conclusion, nobody's ever going to bring up President Bush or Dick Cheney on charges so you I mean you're asking the, the many of these conspiracy people are asking the very same government that they believe is so evil to bring itself up on charges i mean it's ludicrous i thank you for the call and i wish you good luck in your endeavors 
I don't think you'll have much of it, but good luck anyway. 800-259-9231. I feel sorry for the you know, the 9-11 guys. It, we're like, getting a long way out from 9-11. Yeah. I mean, it's been many it, years. Move on. I well, mean, it's, it's like banging your head against the wall. You're never right. going to be successful. In, it, he said that they're not going to be successful. Right. I, but yet he's, he's, right. he's still obsessed with it. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, and you can dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. So enjoy those. They include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. And get interactive. It's like the less, uh, the listener editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. You can join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free. The IHS picks up the bill for housing and meals during the conference. You can apply now for a seminar at uh, the University of California in Santa Cruz or at Emory University in uh, Georgia. They're both in uh, uh, mid-March. Visit libertarianseminars.com for more information. They, uh, it's open to undergraduates, graduate students, recent graduates, and the deadline to apply for early acceptance is November the 15th. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Dial that number, get on the lines, talk about what you want. But remember, this is a conversation, meaning when you're talking, you don't just get to have a symposium for a half an hour. We're going to step in with some questions for uh, our edification and clarification, and uh, we're going to have a conversation with you. And if you don't like that, you don't get to. You, you can't really whine about being cut off. Uh, we're not going to cut you off because you have a different viewpoint, or we might disagree. Uh, we're not cutting anybody off unless they do something that is absolutely, you know, unacceptable on air as far as the FCC is concerned. Yeah, I, it's just not good. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good radio to just let um, callers call in and give symposiums on whatever they want to give symposiums on. And I, I feel for people that, uh, that, that, feel, that have a lot of information they feel they need to impart yeah. in a, you know, what's obviously a very limited period of time. But that's, it's just not, no, no, that's not it. It's a, it's a conversation. Exactly right. So we go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Dan in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. How's it going, guys? What's on your mind, Dan? Well, I got a disturbing phone call this evening from a friend of mine that lives up there in New Hampshire. Okay. Um, apparently, one of his um, relatives lives down here in South Texas where the, the hurricanes just recently hit. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, she is claiming that the, um, the police and or National Guard were roaming about and they had a list of fire owners, and they were confiscating them. She had several of them taken, and um, is now being told that they've been destroyed. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'd like to believe this is not true, but I don't really know. So I wanted to put it out there for people to discuss and think about, and maybe someone knows better than I do. But well, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. What was your relation to the, the caller? Uh, it's a good friend of mine who lives there in, in New Hampshire, and, and he's the one that's kind of hurting me up there, and it's one of his relatives. Okay, so we, you are talking about hearsay, so your friend in New exactly. Hampshire is saying his exactly. relatives have said something. However, it's, uh, it's a hearsay story that is believable because we've yeah, seen physical evidence. That's why I kind of 
Right, we've seen video footage of them confiscating firearms after Hurricane Katrina, and that was a couple of years ago. And that's what's kind of strange about this one. Hmm. She's claiming that she's been told by the powers that be that they are no longer in existence. That's what's really kind of creepy about it. It it may or may not be true. That part may or may not be true. I mean, you know, not even. They might have just kept them. Right, sure. I mean, because it's just that that's the easiest way to get people to go away. Sorry, your gun doesn't exist anymore. Goodbye. So, I'd, I'd say it's believable. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to hear if anybody has any uh, you know verification of that. If there are any uh, news stories coming out of South Texas that could verify this, some other people making claims directly, you know, on a blog saying, "Hey, this happened to me. Here's my story." Would love to hear right. a little bit more detail. But it's a totally believable claim. We've seen evidence after Hurricane Katrina. We saw there was a, t- a tornado in Kansas where they started confiscating guns. So it seems like almost any natural disaster situation is now being used as an excuse to uh, strengthen the police state and destroy people's ability to protect themselves. Well, and it's kind of funny because our, our awful, awful governor here in Texas, you know, the, the one good, you know, quote-unquote good thing he's done so far is supposedly signed the law saying that this cannot happen. But <laughs> you know how well they, you know, play by their own rules. So, yeah, exactly. You know, they do what they want. Uh, well, I'd ask you um, one thing about your governor. Uh, please don't send him, please, please don't send him off to the presidential, uh, presidential slot again. <laughs> I didn't vote for the other one either time, so... Well, wasn't his fault, Mark. <laughs> I'm just saying. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Did you hear him laugh? Yes. This because it was a joke. Go gotcha. on. 1-800-259-9231. All right, Mark, you have an email about some police that are out of control. Actually, not an email, but a story. And then you mentioned another email that uh, I guess is trashing on you for sending out some notices over Facebook. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um this this is uh, from the uh, Newsday.com, which uh, um, I saw it, uh, also in the New York Post. NYPD sodomy allegation to go before a grand jury. A Brooklyn grand jury will decide whether to indict four police officers accused by a 24-year-old man of sodomizing them with a police ra- him excuse me uh, with a police radio on a subway platform near Prospect Park. Um, the NYPD. Oh my! Yeah, very strange. The NYPD says it has uh, two witnesses to refute uh, the, the gentleman Michael Mineo's claim um, that he was in fact violated on the Prospect Park station on Oct- October the fifteenth. The confrontation that started when the police saw him smoking marijuana. But can't Mine- have that. Yeah, Mineo's lawyers say that uh, he has his own set of witnesses to back uh, him up. We're ecstatic that they decided to convene a grand jury, said one of the lawyers, um, and hopefully it will result in a true bill of indictment. So the lawyers are excited. (laughs) The Brooklyn District Attorney Joe Hines uh, issued a statement but did not otherwise comment on the basis of preliminary conclusions of the early stages of my investigation and a review of the medical evidence concerning the allegations that Michael Moneo was brutally assaulted by four police officers. I have ordered a special investigative grand jury to be impaneled. Maneo has admitted to Brooklyn Hospital Center um, last week, shortly, was admitted, excuse me, um, shortly after his accusation was revealed, complaining of pain and blood in his urine. He is still in pain and feeling nauseated, um, his lawyer said. A tube has been draining fluid from a uh, related infection in his abdomen. So they got this guy and pulled his pants down and shoved the radio up there, the I, antenna. That's, for, that's like the, the allegation. Antenna? That's the allegation, and there's a little bit of evidence I'd like to read here. Okay. Uh, read about here. Maneo had uh, earlier spent more than four days at a Brookdale uh, medical center, beginning shortly after he says the officers gave him a desk appearance ticket for disorderly conduct and left him bleeding on the platform of the Prospect Park station. The officers, all on um, the force less than seven years and all assigned to the 71st precinct, remain on full duty and still have their guns and shields. 
Late yesterday, the NYPD, asserting news and media inf- in, um, inference, assigned the officers to desk jobs. Their uh, lawyer, Stu London, whatever. The the radio in question belongs to one of the cops, Officer Alex Cruz. Uh, tests performed on the radio found no forensic evidence that it was used, in fact, to sodomize Mr. Mineo. The uh, police sources said yesterday, but DNA tests on the radio, which um, was not recovered by police until at least a day later um, after the incident, are still pending. Um, so, so they didn't get their hands on the radio to check it until after an entire day had passed, so the guy technically could have cleaned it up? I, I would have cleaned mine up. Yeah. Um, I guess Maneo's accusations recall a case of Abner Lumina or whatever, a Haitian immigrant sodomized by Officer Justin Lupe in, uh, outside the 70th Precinct bathroom in 1970, uh, 1997. Um, so apparently this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, I, I'm not saying not that the same did cops. Yeah, I'm not saying this did happen, but in fact, it's not the first time. But it's it's, it's very, quite an outrageous a- accusation. It's an outrageous accusation. Very very crazy. But uh, it's hard to make that up. You know, I mean, who would have thought to but make that claim? You wouldn't think these lawyers would be taking this case on if they didn't think they had some kind of leg to stand yeah, on, think, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to fight uh, the if city he's people. These, if so. he's got these injuries that he's talking about here, yeah. that's some evidence in and of itself. Where'd these come from? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a doctor says this came from well, a hard plastic object inserted in his rectum. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, then what time of day was this? I mean, the, the, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's a New York subway platform. You'd think it'd be it relatively was, busy. My, it was uh, late at night, but that's all I know I from see, the, the last night, okay. story I had read. So that so one side has say, says they have witnesses. The other side says they have witnesses. Yeah. So it's going to be the, the cops only, versus the regular folk. Huh? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, in New York, the New York press loves a good story like this. So it's going to get some it's going to have some legs and it's possible something could come of it. I just don't know. I think it's the the allegation itself is just so outrageous. That's why I uh, you know, decided to go with it. There's well, not much evidence. We've certainly never seen a shortage on sadistic cop stories. I mean, sometimes they're killing dogs, which there was another recent story of a cop shooting a dog in cold blood uh, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, sometimes they kill dogs. Sometimes they point weapons at children. I mean, these cops are out of control. I don't know. Is this believable? Are these allegations believable? What do you think? You're welcome to share your thoughts or bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you'd like to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to go and vote for us in the podcast awards. It's going on right now. It's an ongoing contest. You can vote once every 24 hours by going to podcastawards.com, scrolling down to the political category, choosing Free Talk Live. Scroll down a little further, put your name and email address in the uh, the required areas, choose whether or not you're a podcast listener or a podcaster, and then click the submit button and uh, your vote will be off. You may have to click a link in an email they'll send you to verify you're a real person, or you may not. They're doing that on a random basis. So I get one every day. Do you? And I think it has something to do with the fact that my email address is the same as you know one of the shows, so I'm just a thought. I don't know. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's really having a whole lot randomly. Maybe it's like you know ninety times out of a hundred. I don't know. Uh, so head over to podcastawards.com. Vote for Free Talk Live in the political category. It makes a big difference for us uh, if we're a number one. Difference. 
if we win that uh, particular category, it'll be our fourth year in a row of winning that, and that's something that we can really, you know, crow from, you know, tell our advertisers, we can tell our uh, radio, uh, potential radio affiliates that we're a pretty popular show on the sure, internet. Sure, a radio, so. uh, a program director thinks to himself, I don't know about this show, why should I take this show? Well, it's the number one political podcast for four years running. Clearly, um, there's some kind of content in this show that uh, my listeners, you know, that, that some listeners want, perhaps my listeners would too. An advertiser says, well, should I believe these guys and advertise on their show? Well, I can show them, uh, you know, the fact that we've been named the uh, number one political podcast four years running. There's obviously people listening. They'll hear about your product. Some of them will buy it. So these are the kind of things that assuage some of the fears of, uh, you know, these uh, the people that, with, with, with whom we do business. Right. And so it helps us greatly. Exactly. So head on over there to podcastawards.com and vote for the show. Now, uh, Mark, you actually have an email that ties into this whole podcast award situation. Apparently, some folks are pretty upset about what you've been doing on the Free Talk Live Facebook account, which I didn't even remember we even had this thing. So apparently, you've been sort of neither did I. Um, they, but you know, a couple of months ago when we were uh, not doing so well on the uh, podcast alley, I I think I sent out on a message through the uh, Facebook account or something like that, and mm-hmm. and it was just huge. Hugely successful, got all kinds of people to vote. Um, there's 600 and something, 620 members on the the account, and every one of them opted in to be a member of the Free Talk Live group. So I figured, hey, these are clearly active uh, listeners, and let's send the messages and get them to do some voting. And I've been doing that for this voting situation for the last, I guess, three or four or five days, however long the voting has been go- going on. Do you know mm-hmm. how long? Uh, it's been uh, less than a week, I think. Less than a week. So I've I've sort of sent out an email warning everyone. I'm going to send out, and I think it's 20 days that the voting's opening. I'm going to send out 20 ma- reminders here every day to uh, vote so that you guys can remember. And just a reminder. And I think that's a little excessive. I, I happen to agree with the critique of what you've been doing. You, uh, th- what brought it to my attention was Julia this afternoon was quite irritated that there was the same, basically what she saw as the same message over and over again about voting in the podcast awards in her inbox there on Facebook. She was irritated about it. I saw there was a thread on the uh, the forum where a couple people were upset about it. No, nope, so one person. Gonna, I figured I'd get in touch with you to see, uh, you know, what what was going through your head because I mean I've sent out. Uh, I've sent out an, an email about it at the very beginning of the voting, and I might send another one toward the end. But as far as that goes, I mean, we mention it every night on the show. Why bother cluttering people's inboxes? Well, because um, people need to go to their computers to vote, and uh, it, you know, this it's a more effective. They're they're much closer on the Facebook account to being able to vote. They're sitting right there, click, bang, you're done. Whereas when I they're see. listening to their show, you know, it's if, if we talk the whole show about it, that would be you know one thing. But this is a this is a a group on Facebook of people that say we like Free Talk Live, we support Free Talk Live, we, we want to, you know, I mean, you would think that these would be people that would be very active. And I'd like to say that I've gotten uh, the vast majority of, of people uh, have given me supporting messages, but a few people have used the S word as though I'm spamming. And I, well, I, you're never going to be able to satisfy everybody. No, absolutely not. So, but this is this really isn't about that. Okay. It's just sort of started with that, and I wanted to, uh, but it, it goes into another issue. Before it, you go on, Nick, do you think it's excessive? What's going on here? Um, I'm not actually part of the Facebook group, but as I understand it, it was four messages. Um, in four days. In four days. About the same thing. Yeah. I might find it a little bit annoying, but I probably wouldn't be bothered by it enough to write an email or to complain about it. I, I you know, certainly if it's useful and the fee- it depends on the feedback you're getting. I mean, if, 
if you've heard people say, hey, thanks for reminding me, if you're, that's the feedback you're getting. I don't, I don't know what to do with the feedback. I mean, you know, like, it, it, well, I, at it, this point, if I, I went say, with how many letters I got in support versus how many letters I got, um, you know, in, uh, you know, saying otherwise, then I would stop. Well, but what I've decided to do is, is cut down the messages. Um, I was going to go to every other day or every third day or something like that. And that send seems them out. a little more reasonable. It's, yeah, it's, it's really just a compromise. Compromises are... I don't know whether it's a good idea or not. I mean, is it? It, it, it may result in fewer votes. Really, what I'm trying to, um, to do is result in the most amount of votes. And the the Facebook group, be damned. I mean, they can if they if they want to leave the group, they can. This is what, true. What is the point of the group? It's so that you can say that I belong to the Free Talk Live group on Facebook. I guess. I mean, I don't know much. I, if, of, I don't. You, really it's a know. group. You know, if if the group yeah. isn't getting emails of some sort, then it's not a group. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not a. I, I guess I'm a member of the group, but I don't even. I barely even knew it existed. So. Well, you must be getting the emails then. Apparently, I'm. Uh, I haven't logged. I don't. I guess I haven't logged into Facebook well, in see, a couple weeks. So. It depends on how you have your Facebook settings. <laughs> also, um, the face. It, and it depends on your settings. I get my. Uh, I get an email warning every time I get a message. I see. On, uh, yeah, Facebook. I don't. I've turned all that stuff Some off. Some people don't, and yeah. they wonder, holy crap, there's five messages from me. Maybe right. that's the case. I don't know. I don't okay. have mine set up that way. All right. Way. So there was uh, another point to this. So, oh wait. I, I think that it's a. I think. I think that it's a, a moot argument. Um, honestly, I, I I would just say that at this point, I would say that if you're getting a number more than one or two negative reactions from people, you should probably cut back on the messages. I'm, so I'm I think going that. to one every other day. I'm or doing one every that, but I found like you said is I have found the best way to go. with some of these people that, um, for instance, one guy. He never even heard the show. He didn't know it was a libertarian show. He joined the group because a friend of his gotten, got him to join the group. Now he's going to listen to the show, and he's going to get us on his college radio station where he has some kind of sway as the that. program director. So there you go. Um, I, I've responded to every one of these people respectfully, and it may result in another radio affiliate. And no, you know, people banding about the term uh, spam. Are you might have gotten the affiliate anyway if you just sent a couple jerks. of messages instead of four or five. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you, you no, still no, might have gotten I would not. That, absolutely not. Because the guy said, stop spamming me. I said, I'm not spamming you. You're a member of the group. He said, what group? I said, the Free Talk Live group. Here's a link. Oh, I see. Okay. okay I didn't so. realize that was why the... I didn't realize that was the reason the conversation started was because he was upset at this, this spamming thing. Understood. It's not spamming. Right. Well, They're you're members a- of a group they opted into. Yeah. If you don't want the emails that the group gets, which is the only thing that the group is, the group is an email list, essentially. I mean, Facebook is a email, uh, you know, or, uh, site. Okay. So it's you've opted it's into a social networking site. But yes. Okay. So go ahead. How do you socially network with people if you don't send them emails? I'm with you. Okay. I, I'm glad you're cutting back. I All think right. it's a sensible thing to do. And I think you're just being uh, pandering, but it doesn't matter. That, that's what I'm going to do. Hey, I understand where those not. people are coming from, man. They don't want to have to click and click delete. You know, sometimes it can be annoying. I, I, I can see that if you don't check your Facebook account, you have five messages from me. You can only vote one time. You like that yeah. might be a little irritating, but. A lot of people have said, I love the reminder. It reminds right. me. Thanks for reminding me. i got to do it now. Okay. So anyway, this guy says, uh, um, and I'll never be able to get through this by the, uh, by the end of this segment because we spend so much time well, do talking your best. about it. Anyway, let me uh, just cut to the, uh, the meat of it. Um, I say that voting is likely one of the most effective things you can do for liberty. He says, why? So far, New Hampshireites have been uh, throwing that around. Meanwhile, Ron Paul's campaign for liberty has some 40 candidates running, and it's not even six months old. Did you know this? That they had 40 candidates running? I didn't. No. I, I, wait, I, I've heard of, of a few. You, when you said voting is the best thing you can do for liberty, you meant voting for Free Talk Live? Correct. I'm, I, Ian, I am, I'm, okay. I'm paraphrasing here because you've talked to me so long right. about this issue. 
Um, so voting for that. Obviously, voting in the election isn't. And uh, so anyway, I'm assuming that you're Mark from the show. I listen. I think the show is good. But the New Hampshire thing can't and won't work. It's based on a uh, on participation. Oh, really? People just don't participate, apparently. It sucks. People aren't likely to protest actions that rob them, let alone move away from a place that they live and go to New England, of all places. Except for the research, hundreds of people that have already moved here as part of the Free State Project. Research that. shows that people don't want to do anything that will dis- disrupt their lives. That's probably true. One of the most effective things I can do for liberty is write on my blog. And as someone in your show says, non-cooperation is the way to go. I'm actually writing a pamphlet about it on, on the blog now. And uh, anyway, his, quickly, his blog is Arise passaway.blogspot.com and he's you know fine good write blogs i i, I don't want to uh, diminish Only if someone's reading them does it do any good sure sure and oh, half a million people will hear uh, free talk live this week um so but he kind of equates free talk live with the free state project we are not um but i I, I, to, to say that people won't move, well, not true. There's lots of people that have pledged to move and, um, you know, hundreds of people that have moved. So and, he's saying it can't work. And he, he says can we that get into his critique people are unlikely to protest actions that rob them, but then says that non-cooperation is the way to go. How are you going to convince them to non-cooperate? Right. Where well, they're you They're not are? going to non-cooperate because they won't do things that are unlikely to be, you know... We can dig in more here in a bit. Hour three's coming up. You can take control. Free t- this program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free as we launch here in hour number three of the program, 800-259-9231. And, of course, join us again at freetalklive.com. Lots of fun stuff there, all totally free for you. Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is on the house, so enjoy at freetalklive.com. Uh, the show is about your calls, but if they are not on the line, then we have to fill the time with something. So we're going to get back into discussing this email that you left off with last hour, Mark. But for those just tuning in here at the top of this particular hour, can we uh, sort of, I guess, surmise where we've come from so far? Or Well, uh, yeah, we were uh, uh, t- Recap. Reading, reading the email of a, a gentleman who had some critiques on the Free State Project. And he said it's not going to work. And I, you know, anything that's uh, spoken out against Free State Project, blasphemy, I say, you know, I'm obviously a big supporter, as we all are on the show. He says it's not going to work. I say it can't fail. And I say that, that um, anytime you can get some critique about your organization, um, even if it's, you know, anytime you can get some critique, listen to it, um, analyze it, and, you know, see what you can get out of that critique. And so that's what, uh, that's, that's what we were going on about. And he basically says that uh, it relies... That the you know the the thing in New Hampshire um, it it won't work because it's based on participation, and he he thinks the campaign for liberty is better. But isn't everything based on participation? Yeah. Now it's a high level of participation. As far as activism is concerned, yeah. Anything. I mean, voting. Everything is uh, partic- based on participation. I, I, you know, it was difficult in uh, Sarasota to get me to come to the libertarian meetings once a month at seven o'clock at Bennigan's. I could have gotten, you know, I can get a, a Monte Cristo and listen to people yammer, and I still didn't do that. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, participation isn't easy, and the free pro- uh, the Free State Project is a high level of participation because one has to move to New Hampshire in order to participate. 
and I think he's right there. But you're also you have the you have a pool of people to draw on that's six billion. Um, you know, basically, I guess they'd have to be able to have the opportunity, the chance to come to America and likely speak English. But you know, there's a huge pool of people to draw from, so you'll get some level of participation. Obviously, we've gotten eighty-five. 8,600 people to sign up. I'd like to point out the Free State Project is a movement uh, that is encouraging as many liberty lovers as possible from around the country and around the world all to converge. Uh, their activists th- themselves move physically to New Hampshire and do activism there. Maybe they are already activists, bring their activism to New Hampshire. Maybe they are not yet activists. Come to New Hampshire and learn how to be an activist and get active here for liberty. Uh, and so far, over 600 people have actually uh, are in state here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Hundreds of people have already moved in as early movers to the Free State Project. And I'd like to point out that that's all the Free State Project is. It doesn't organize activism in the state of New Hampshire. What it does is it gets people to come here. That's the purpose of the Free State Project is to sort of evangelize the idea of concentrating activism in one place. So the fact that he's saying, well, it's, you know, it requires participation. Yeah, thank goodness. We want people to be participatory. We want people to be here and be active and do things. And the, the fact that they have to move first in order to do so is a wonderful self-selection mechanism in that the people who are just the talkers, the people that just want to show up at a, you know, Libertarian Party meeting or something like that and debate uh, the issues with one another, those people they're not going to come to New Hampshire because it actually takes some level of effort and dedication and a little bit of money as well to be able to uproot oneself uh, and move to a new location. So by virtue of the the just the project's uh, parameters, yeah. we are going to self-select. The, the, the project self-selects the best possible activists that it could possibly uh, find for this movement. I think it's there's no way it can fail, in my opinion, and he well, doesn't believe it, it can be it may successful. Never, it may never reach 20,000. May never reach 20,000. I don't know. I mean, that I've, was the original target. That was the original target of people. But it, essentially, now it's it's more focused on just move. There's enough yeah, people here, here now. that we are having an effect on the government, and we are. Uh, there's uh, there were 169 people who ran for state house um, that were endorsed by the NHLA, which is a, a Free State Project member started group. As well, in I understand the realm it. of politics, didn't you say that he cited the Ron Paul campaign for liberty and said there's like 40 candidates across the country? Right, 40 candidates across the country. Whereas uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance has, was running 169 endorsed candidates, all in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, and 153 of them made it through the. Prim- primary, so they're going to be in the general. That's huge. I mean, yeah. is that happening? Are there 153 pro-liberty libertarians running in your state? So that's one question you have to ask yourself, and that's on the political side, and I think that's one of the biggest victories, and it's an indication. On the uh, the, the non-cooperative side, which is sort of what you advocate, what would you say some of your biggest victories are, Ian? Two or three? Well, I mean, it's not they're not my victories personally. It's uh, some of the people that have, have gone out there and not non-cooperated and engaged in civil disobedience, and I would say that uh, David Ridley is a big winner. Uh, he went out recently. He's from RidleyReport.com, and he t- he told one of the judges here in Keene, New Hampshire, that he was going to come in and bring a video camera into the courtroom, and he was going to pan that camera against the judge's orders. The judge had ordered that uh, nobody was able to pan cameras in his courtroom, and Dave Ridley basically said, look, I'm coming in, and if you want to arrest me, that's your business. 
I'm I'm going to pan the camera whether you arrest me or not. And it was that uh, it was that promise from Dave Ridley that got the judge to turn around his rules on the issue of of panning cameras. Just one example of how one man being willing to be locked in a cage for a little while actually managed to change the system without having to go through a political process. And of course, there have been others. Uh, Nick Ryder, another activist, a New Hampshire native, actually. Uh, Nick Ryder had uh, gotten a speeding ticket. He went in there, basically said, "Hey." I'm not paying this ticket, so too bad. And the judge found him not guilty. So there have been a few. I mean, that's just two examples in in the recent last couple months. Yeah, and one example that ties it together was one of the early cases of activism was Mike Fisher was a Free State Project member. He actually gave an illegal manicure. He gave a manicure for money without a license. and the Out in front of the uh, cosmetology <laughs> building or whatever for the state. Right. And the government, I believe they cut in half. Like, you know, there was some movement. They didn't abolish licensing for barbers and cosmetologists, but they did cut the number of required hours in half, which was significant because it was like a thousand. It was a lot of hours. So they cut that yep. in half. So that's one example of non-cooperation actually resulting in political change right it was a great example the uh ma- the outlaw manicurist was a great example because he managed to get himself arrested isn't that correct he did get arrested, arrested. he yes. got arrested you know he, he did the whole the whole process exact worked exactly the way you expect non-cooperation to work and i i thought that that was a you know a, a real victory and something to point to so the these are people those, doing things right the more of, of those types that we get um here and they seem to be mostly congregating in uh my beautiful keen um uh, you know, the, the more things that are going to happen, those people are going to be doing things. They're going to be, uh, yeah. you know, stirring the pot. I, I personally kind of like the uh, the, the the political stuff a little bit more. Uh, less of a chance of but getting even thrown the political in a guys, cold, cold jail cell. Even the political guys here in New Hampshire are busying themselves with a whole lot of projects they're in the doing off time. Stuff. It's happening. They're not waiting every two years to run campaigns, and that's all they're doing. Whereas, you know, what are the Campaign for Liberty guys doing? They're running well, campaigns. Some of them right? are, um, in fact, the Campaign for Liberty guys. I mean. Some of them are involved in that too, and and that's all great and fine. Are they doing anything besides running campaigns? I don't though? know any. I don't know much of anything about the campaign I don't for either. liberty. Speaking about the campaign for liberty would be doing a disservice to them. Yeah. I but I would say the fact that I uh, host a uh, you know liberty minded uh, talk show six nights a week and, and no I, one's been calling and I don't know us? much about them. Um, you know, I've my experience with the Ron Paul campaign was. It wasn't really great. I didn't. I didn't feel like there was enough contact with the media. Here you have a, a very, very uh, uh, amicable show to the the message, and you know I, well, I on got him on show, once. I, on this show, when somebody is when something's not going Ron on, Paul, it was his campaign that I did. Right, right. When something's going on in the the liberty movement then people usually call about it. I mean, a lot of people across the country and around the world are listening to this program, and they're tied into various different aspects of the liberty movement. And when something is happening, we usually hear about it. So when Ron Paul had his uh, big Ron Paul convention thing they had recently, and I think it was Minnesota, we heard about that. People were talking about it. People were talking about how they're going to it. Uh, you're mentioning that the Campaign for Liberty is running something like 40 candidates. Well, we've heard about that now. But what else are they doing? If they were doing something else worth talking about, wouldn't our listeners be talking about it? Wouldn't people be calling to say, hey, guys, have you heard that the Campaign for Liberty is doing blah 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 well, You know, whatever that might be. I, I, what are they I, doing? I love that they're running uh, candidates. However, I would say that the Libertarian Party, on a national basis, probably is running more than 40 candidates. And look 
look how much luck they've had since 1971. I'm not saying that that's yeah. not going to be that the, the campaign liberty, for liberty isn't going to be different. I don't know. I hope they're running it different, better, whatever. However, you know, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the same process all over again. That's why I like the Free State Project. To me, it seemed like it was going to work, and being here, it seems like it, it is, is working. working. There's it, no doubt about it. This is there's an unprecedented level of activism going on here in New Hampshire. If you're not paying attention, then you wouldn't know. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And those features include the updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Send out an update today, as a matter of fact, announcing that we're doing another auction. You can bid on the second banner from the uh, second banner on our website at freetalklive.com. Uh, you can win that banner for an entire month and advertise virtually anything there. So if you want to be in that contest, head over to auction.freetalklive.com and place your bid. I think last time it only went for like 40 bucks. Really? So the second banner has swung from as low as 40 bucks to as high as 200. 200, really? Uh, yeah, so you never know where it's going to end up, so it's all really up to you guys. So head over to auction.freetalklive.com, place your bid on the second banner on the website. And if you want to know about these things as they happen, uh, get on the updates list. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and you'll know first what's going on with Free Talk Live as we send the news out. That's updates.freetalklive.com. We've been kind of tearing into an email uh, conversation you've been having over face at Facebook with somebody who was basically trashing on the Free State Project, saying that... You're, you're really overstating it. I don't think we're tearing into it, and I, I'm just kind of discussing some of the points. I think that critique, um, whenever you can get it, is a good thing to look at. You, you shouldn't just, you know, poo-poo right. everything that people say. You should look at what they say and, and try to try your very best to apply it to your life and, um, you know, and, and, and see if it has validity and then, you know, toss it out if you don't think it does, but, but try to, to to sit in the other person's shoes as much as you can. Yes, and I see where you're coming from on that. And so basically what he said, though, was that he didn't think the Free State Project could work. Uh, because it, it has to involve people and being I've heard participatory. That many times, um, you know, through throughout the years, uh, I've, I've, there's lots of libertarians out there who've said the same thing, and you know, they they just don't like it. And I, I it's I, easy to be a liberty-oriented person and see so many different facets of the movement failing and failing and failing. You know, the, the different campaigns not coming through with more than a few percentage points of votes uh, to see and watch as the, uh, the the police state continues to be on the rise, as it seems as though so more Americans are being uh, ever more indoctrinated and more so effectively in the belief in the you know the supremacy of the state and uh, just just wiping out individual uh, rights and all the wonderful things that we would like to promote on this program and in the, in the movement in general and to just have all that be very very depressing to you to look at all that as a big picture and see oh gosh liberty's still on the decline the police state is on the rise totalitarianism is you know just around the corner I mean I could understand why they would say oh my gosh what are you talking about getting a bunch of activists together this is hopeless we just need to batten down the hatches and uh, you know buy some gold and silver and and try to keep our heads down or, or whatever or whatever they say i like the i like it when people bring up other ideas out there that might you know be this uh, glowing hope for liberty yeah. because i like to look at those things so far the only thing that i've found that makes any sense to me is the free state project well it's because we're admi- and, willing to admit we were wrong 
along. I but mean, I believe in I believe in competition. Yeah. So you know, great. Do whatever you're going to do. However, yeah, I a free think state that, West. There's a free state Europe. I think that that's I, I don't I don't believe in that kind of competition simply because what's the point in diluting the amount of people that are willing More to move? competition's a good thing, right? I, I understand. I just don't think that it it doesn't the make any sense have to be pretty much flop. Yeah, they can't hold a candle to the free state. Right, and and I would think that the you would think that if people are willing to move, that they would be willing to move wherever. I'd be willing. They're to, not. I'm willing to move to Nepal if that's where the Free State yeah. Project, if it makes sense that that's where it's going to work. And it, to me, it makes sense that it's going to work in New Hampshire. I'd be willing to move. Uh, so, you know, I, I would but, think that those people would be willing to move. Some people just don't like the New England, for God's sake. Well, yeah. Uh, well, and we've asked several times on this program, and we'll continue to ask, because, like you say, Mark, we're, we're interested in knowing if there's something better out there, if there's a better idea, if somebody's throwing around a, an alternative idea that's equally as good as uh, the Free State Project. But don't and, expect convincing us to be easy. <laughs> I mean, well, they've I never mean, we're come pretty, up with anything. We're pretty thoroughly emotionally invested in it, and right. I, 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 would, I would like... To hear about other things, but you know the the chances are good. I I understand how you know. I mean, chances are good. It's I'm just not going to go for it because well, I believe in this. But. So I'd like to know more about this campaign for liberty. I know that our friend uh, Will Buchanan over at the Walk for Liberty is a fan of the campaign for liberty. He sort of was into the Ron Paul campaign, and I I think Ron Paul's campaign did some good things. Oh, I yeah. think it brought some uh, some new folks into the movement. I think I, that's a good thing. I think it was probably one the most effective libertarian campaign as far as spreading ideas that we've seen. Right. Maybe I think that's since true. The but, libertarian movement started in the political sense. You know, for the for the to, for his ideas to spread, people need to have some kind of foundation for liberty. They're either going to get that through people they know and and, and care about, or they're going to get it through um, some other method. And one of those methods is working quite well. Is Free Talk Live, which is you know reaches hundreds of thousands of people a week, if not a half a million. I don't know how many exactly, but um you know just from my experience in this business and knowing what stations we're on, I have an idea that that's probably about where we're at. But you know, so Free Talk Live, not the Free State Project. You know, it's not the same thing, even though we support no, it. So. Amping or voting for Free Talk Live, not the same thing as voting and amping for the Free State Project. No, it's definitely not. So I, I don't know. Uh, so so I, I want to look at this campaign for liberty here because this is what people are promoting. This is what the guy in the email was promoting, saying he thinks the campaign for liberty is the way to go. And if that's what you think, then great. Uh, but I'd like to know exactly what it is they're doing. I mean, I went over to their website, and maybe I'm just missing something. I went to the About the Campaign for Liberty page and was looking at it during the break. And it, I'm not going to read it here, but to, to summarize, it essentially says, you know, Americans are frustrated. Their political choices give them no real choice. We need to help them understand liberty. Campaign for Liberty was established to highlight the neglected but common sense principles we champion and reinsert them into the American political conversation. So how are they going to go about doing that? Well, they don't mention that on the About page. What they talk about is their their belief system. They believe in the free market. They believe in uh, von Mises and Hazlitt. You know some of these uh, great thinkers. Uh, we oppose uh, the, the power hungry state. We oppose the transfer of American sovereignty. Blah blah blah. So so they go on through this about page talking about their principles and talking about what what they believe in in general. And you know it sounds very nice. But what I'd like to know is what are you doing? I mean you the guy mentioned that they're running some candidates. So apparently they're endorsing certain candidates that have met a certain level of of qualification. And then if you go and you look at uh, the front page of the website, it says, take action with the Campaign for Liberty. And they've got a little Slim Jim that they've made up. Uh, it's about, I guess it's about the bailout situation as far as who voted for it, who voted against it. So I guess the idea is to go and uh, put these Slim Jims in newspapers and 
delivering del- delivering them to households and and stuff like that. Uh, there, there's some suggestions here on their blog as to what people can do. Write letters to the editor. There's some opinion pieces here. Uh, let's see. They, they give people the opportunity to help end the income tax in Massachusetts. So I guess they're pointing to a few sort of in the system things that uh, that people can do. But it doesn't really seem like the campaign for liberty itself is really doing much of anything besides maybe pointing some people in the directions of some of the the political opportunities they might not have seen before. So I don't really know what makes the campaign for liberty that much more exciting than, say, the Libertarian Party, uh, which does not excite me in the least. They've been uh, taken over by some very unlibertarian interests. And I just, I don't know, am I missing something here? I'm looking on their website to something, for something to get me excited as an activist. Like, why would I want to get involved in this? Well, I, I think that uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just because it's got I Ron Paul's like, endorsement. I that's felt what like, it is. yeah, that, that, that's what it is, and, and his name goes a long way right now. Um, but you know, I kind of felt like the campaign for liberty was like we got to come up with something to spend these millions of dollars we got left over from the campaign. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know, it just. Yeah. I might be missing something, which is why I'm asking you to dial in at 1-800-259-9231. Give me the clue. I mean, what is this Campaign for Liberty doing that's so revolutionary? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free. They include live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, webcam, all over there at listen.freetalklive.com. Enjoy them on us. That's listen.freetalklive.com. I'd like to thank uh, all of our listeners that have gone to privacyharbor.com and uh, gotten accounts, and actually quite a few of them have uh, started doing business with Privacy Harbor. I guess they have uh, businesses and need more than just the the free account that uh, privacyharbor.com offers. But if you need, uh, if if you want to have private email. Go to privacyharbor.com. They have a uh, one of these secure accounts, and you you know it, it's free. So privacyharbor.com. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So I, I've done more digging here. I'm trying to determine you know what it is that makes this campaign for liberty so worthwhile. Apparently, some people are really excited about it. It's it's sort of the thing that Ron Paul set up on his way out the door from uh, from doing his presidential campaign. He said, "Hey, it's not over. We're going to do this campaign for liberty." And and so their website is campaignforliberty.com. And I flipped to the next page on their blog, and they have a campaign for liberty update on what it is that they're doing. So according to this story here, they are apparently running radio, print, email, and phone calls into a number of districts and states. They provided great literature to help you engage on this important issue, talking about the bailout. We promise to hold politicians accountable for their bailout vote, and we are keeping that promise. So they want donations so they can maximize their impact. And I guess they're running ads talking about who voted for what, I guess, in the hopes of getting the incumbents out. Not sure how effective that's going to be. But there are some other things they're doing. They're looking to expand their staff from 10 to 13. Presumably that means they are paid. Uh, So they're paying these people. Uh, Researching and scouting office space to accommodate a larger staff. These are the things that political organizations do. They, you know, they upgrade offices and stuff like that. And they, you know, move in and hire new staff. 
researching and scouting office space, also scouting locations on Capitol Hill for a Campaign for Liberty media studios where they'll be able to produce news features, interviews, educational materials, and eventually their own news broadcast. So they need a separate location for their media studio? I mean, mine's in my living room. Uh, that's another thing about uh, you know Free Talk Live. It doesn't gobble up contributions uh, like so many liberty organizations do. Imagine the amount of money that it's going to require for them these folks to operate. They got to pay yeah, people on to Capitol do it. Hill. They, right. They got to pay people to do it and all that other stuff. People aren't going to do this stuff for free. Nick, what are you getting paid to do Free Talk Live? Nothing. Okay. He does get the occasional mention, freemindstv.com. You should go and visit Nick and Toby. Uh, they are the co-hosts at Free Minds TV, and they're doing – I mean, what are you getting paid to do Free Minds TV? That's an even better question. Uh, we're not – I mean, we, we get donations and things like that, but currently we're not really – we don't make money off the show. We, I think Toby we break told me, even. Yeah, you guys are just now getting the point of covering break, costs, which right. is great. It's a good good point to be at, uh, whereas you're not pouring money down a hole anymore. That's, right, that's a because, good thing. because for a long time it was – you know, spending money out of pocket to pay for things like DVDs to send to TV affiliates and things like that. So and right. radio equipment. Um, that's you know. So we're breaking even now. But. Right, and you don't need your own specialized studio to do these things. Uh, you've got the the cable access channel here where you do your television show from, and you've got our studio here, Free Talk Live, which you guys do your radio show on Sundays. You can listen to Free Minds Radio on Free Talk Live streaming. Uh, it's live from 3 to 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Sundays. Of course, you can get the podcast at freemindstv.com. But you guys come in here and use the Free Talk Live studio. Why would you want to spend your money to build your own alternative studio? I mean, eventually down the line, if you've got some extra money, you might want to do that. But at this point in your career, that's silly to the, do something The like only that. reason for it would be probably vanity or for ego yeah. purposes, but it would be a, you know dumping money into it. So, yeah, I mean, you can get a very high rate of return on, on media outlets like Free Talk Live, Free Minds TV. Um, there's a lot of media outlets here in the state of New Hampshire that Free State Project members and natives, I mean, I was here prior to Free Staters moving in, um, you know, just activists are getting involved and producing their own media at very low cost for the return that they get. Right. Nobody, uh, the, the people that are producing Liberty Media here in New Hampshire, whether it be Free Talk Live or whether it be Free Minds TV or whether it be the New Hampshire uh, Free Press, these people did not have to organize an office to go open up first before they could then begin doing their creation of their content. They just started putting it together with whatever basic equipment they happened to have at hand. I, I will say, though, in, in defense of what the Campaign for Liberty sounds like they're trying to do with having a studio on Capitol Hill, clearly they're focused on the political aspect of things. Yeah. And they're probably thinking, well, if we want to have interviews with members of Congress, we probably want to make it look professional. So you might you might need to invest in some kind of a studio. I don't think you really need to put that much money into it, to be honest. Um and they probably figure they should be near the capital. That I mean, that's the only logic I can think of behind it. But I don't know how they're going to really be, how long they're going to be able to sustain that. Where could they be spending the money in a more effective way? I think they probably could. Yeah. Well, right, I mean, well, three thousand. What does it cost to rent an office in on Capitol Hill? I mean, you're I, talking about thousands it, a month, probably. It, it depends on the square footage. Uh, you could be talking, uh, you could be talking tens of thousands, uh, depending on the square footage. I don't yeah. know. The um the the thing is is you know I, we've been we've talked about on this show a lot compare amplifying to the donations that people give I gave hundreds of dollars I can't tell you how many to the uh, Ron Paul campaign and 
you know, I, I, I love I love what I got out of the campaign. I love, uh, you know, how many people were excited and, and what happened. But, you know, kind of there was those millions of dollars left over. And I just I, I didn't know what could be done with them. And I, I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I, I didn't like what was done with them as far as the campaign for liberty. I, I think well, that there's been some good stuff. They, they, I mean, they have but, to be spent somewhere. They're not going to be able to cut they can't give it back yeah way. they can't give it back and they it had, it had to go somewhere right and, um we got what bj lawson out of the deal and i guess he's been doing uh you know good stuff is that a candidate yeah we talked about him on the show he's um, running for congress before. in north he's probably the best shot that any congressional candidate has be, for the campaign for liberty and it'd be great then we'd have two yeah. people who get ignored in congress yeah. Uh, let me continue here on their list of things they're doing. They're planning regional summits, what they're considering as mini rallies for the republics, that will be likely begin late spring, developing a speaker's bureau that will give, organize lectures and conferences at universities around the country to give America's future leaders a chance to learn about sound money, natural rights, Austrian economics, and a variety of other disciplines. That sounds like a nice idea. Uh, preparing the Rally for Republic DVDs for release, developing homeschool curriculum for homeschool families, continuing to make improvements to their website, getting involved in events for uh, including the Conservative Leadership Conference, preparing a number of policy initiatives, developing a monthly donation program and full-time fundraising apparatus to ensure the long-term health and effectiveness of the organization. So it just sounds like another political, uh, politically-based organization looking to lobby for change in, uh, in Washington, you know, D.C. But uh, how many of your, uh, your donation dollars go to support people who work there? When you look at the, a lot am- of them. When you look at the Amplifier now, program for Free it. Talk Live... None of them go for that. They only go for advertising and promoting a show. Ian, you get paid on uh, advertising. That when comes you bring the me show, a check, yeah. right? Essentially, I get paid uh, from advertising. The only thing that you know, the only way that money is made on this show is is through advertising. The AMP program doesn't do it, so your donation doesn't go to pay some guy's paycheck. No, it and I, I want to point out, you can still be a member of the Campaign for Liberty. In New Hampshire, I'm actually I am not I haven't made any contributions to it. I did make some contributions to the Ron Paul campaign, so I guess indirectly I may have. Um, but I'm a member of the Campaign for Liberty. So by moving to the state of New Hampshire, some people I get the impression that they feel like it's either or. I mean, you can move to New Hampshire and still be active in the Libertarian sure. Party or the Campaign for Liberty or whatever you want to do. There's probably going to be some local activism that's going to seem a little bit more worthwhile than you know congressional races as far as your uh, your return on investment is concerned even if you're doing politics doing politics in new hampshire would be far more of a better investment of your your time and your money in my opinion than anything at a national level yeah i mean you could get yourself elected to the state house with conceivably depending on how big the town you're in is maybe 300 votes total that you get. I mean, it's not very difficult to get elected to state government here. If you if you want to get involved from that angle, get elected. I mean, that's probably right. your best shot of having on, on the national influence. level. Um, you know, it looks like it's probably going to be a sweep for the Democrats this year. They're going to do really well. Likely, there's not any uh, pro freedom Ron Paul Democrats out there. I mean, you're going to the, the likelihood of beating an incumbent is. The incumbents win 90-something percent of yeah. the elections. You really have a tough row to hoe on the national level. You're much better off going door-to-door doing local stuff. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free, and if you like the show and you'd like to help support Free Talk Live, then head on over 
uh, to become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And we were talking briefly about it a few moments ago, but it's a basic, a very simple concept. The idea is you send in three bucks a month to the show. We take that money in and reinvest it into Free Talk Live, uh, getting this show on more radio stations across the country and spreading the message of freedom and liberty as fast and as far and as wide as possible. And you get perks, too, uh, to sweeten the deal. Head over there and you'll learn about them. They include access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum. Uh, you get special access to classic archives. You get the AMP-only version of the podcast. Uh, so head over and get all the details. Get signed up for as little as three bucks a month at amp.freetalklive.com and SACL CAI has a full orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. SACL does collections. They do early out billing and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL CAI knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call and they have the best equipment money can buy so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com uh, again, that's SACL C-A-I. We've been talking about the Ron Paul Campaign for Liberty and just kind of analyzing it, looking into it, seeing what it is that makes it unique. What is it that is uh, so special about this particular organization beyond the fact that Ron Paul has given it his seal of approval? And based on from, you know, the scratching the surface that I've done here of their website, digging into their blog a little bit, seeing the things that they're talking about, the, the, the things they're suggesting, the things they're attempting to do with their organization, they seem like yet another uh, influent, you know, another group that's looking to swing influence in, in Washington, D.C. Now, Nick, you are saying they do have different state groups, so they have subgroups of the Campaign for Liberty? Is yeah, the there, there's, um, if you go to the Campaign for Liberty website, there's a, a tab that says states, and they have organizations that are set up on the state level, and I think some meetups are organized on a local level. Um, so at least that's good. If yeah, you have some decentralized approach. You to know, it. maybe it may be true that the uh, the campaign for liberty will be more effective at spreading the ideas of liberty than the Libertarian Party ever was. I mean, it, it, certainly they're not. It may be. Yeah. God, I hope it is. Yeah, I, I hope <laughs> Believe so too. Me, I hope it is because everything up to this point, as far as I'm concerned, has been largely a failure. Right. Right. So I mean, not it, just the Libertarian Party, but everything that's I, been tried pro-liberty. Plus. I hope that you know maybe another, it just will never work. However, it seems like the Free State Project to me seems like the best chance. Right. I hope that you know in another couple years we'll hear from somebody or we'll hear all kinds of great news about what the campaign for liberty is out there doing and you know that they're really growing and that they're they're getting out there and they're getting into the media and they're doing all this wonderful stuff i hope to hear nothing but good things about them but call me skeptical simply because they're focusing a lot at least on national politics they're focusing in on dc that's where the organization is spending its money they're opening offices they're expanding they're trying to do media outreach I wish them the best of luck. I don't, I don't think it's something that I would put my money behind, uh, but I hope to be proven wrong. I hope that in a couple of years or however long it takes them to really get their gears turning, uh, they can really show some results and say, hey, you know, it's a good thing this campaign for liberty was here because we got all this media coverage that never would have happened if we hadn't existed in the first place. And that's what they're saying they're trying to do is they're trying to to uh, to insert the ideas of liberty into you know the media and into colleges around the country. And if they're successful at that, then I think that it's fantastic, but you got to be you, you got to be questioning. You got to be paying attention to what these folks are doing because if all they're doing is buying new offices and planning to do a bunch of stuff that they never actually get around to doing or never actually ends up having a significant effect, take your money out and put it somewhere else. Put it here in New Hampshire where the best activists are actually gathering together. Maybe you can't. Maybe you feel like you can't move to New Hampshire, but you've been hearing about some of the things that've been going on here through this radio program or for, through uh, Free Minds TV, and you're excited about what's uh, the activism that's happening here. Maybe you can tell that the things that are happening. Happening here are different 
than what's ever gone on in the history of the liberty movement, and you want to get behind it. Well, there are going to be various different ways for you to do that. You can get behind the political organizations like the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. You can get behind uh, – there's going to be a new, uh, a new civil disobedience support fund. You'll be able to get behind that too. So, so we're going to have ways for you to, uh, to sort of invest in the activism here in New Hampshire where I guarantee you you will see a greater return on investment and you will see things happening here because things are already happening here uh, with very, very few movers, with just a couple hundred uh, movers that have, that have come here as part of the Free State Project. It's already happening and things are getting pretty exciting. So if you don't know what we're talking about, keep listening to the program and go to freekeen.com to take a look at some of the recent uh, video footage from the Keen Freedom Festival. I've been asked to talk about this, and we hadn't discussed it yet this week, so figured uh, insert a few comments as to what happened over the weekend. Nick, you were not able to make it out, unfortunately. Mark, you made it out, but you were too late to actually uh, encounter the police when they came out to attempt to shut the Keen Freedom Fest down. I'm glad. <laughs> I don't need that kind of crap in my life. Well, there was it was no crap. I mean, they were just uh, throw, trying to throw their weight around, but they were outnumbered. I, I and... don't do well in that situation, Ian. You know, some cop being a jerk, it's going to go poorly. You, you're saying you're going to lose it? No, I'm not going to lose it. I just I'm probably going to tell him something he doesn't want to hear. I see. Well, anyway, so there there were several liberty organizations from across New Hampshire gathered in Keene, which is where we do this radio program from, for the uh, the fall Keene Freedom Festival. You can go to keenfreedomfest.com to uh, to see some of the uh, the blog posts about it and a little bit more about what happened. But essentially, there was uh, people were having a good time. There were lots of booths, people socializing. There was a gambling table. I was sitting in, was playing some uh, some dice games with uh, Jim Johnson, the husband it's of beautiful Nick. He won like all the pennies that they were playing with in the gambling thing. So now I imagine he, he imagines he, he fancies himself lucky or, or skilled. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping to set up. Mark. I'm hoping to set up a a, a, a liberty oriented uh, uh, you know five card stud game here at uh, on Sundays or something. And I, well, I just can't wait. To I'd like to get. get I don't like play. playing card games because uh, it actually requires skill uh, to some extent. I like the dice because I can just roll the dice and it's I have to think. It's all luck, my friend. It's all luck. I don't know. I think there's some skill involved there's in playing cards. There's definitely skill involved in a card yeah. game. Sure, but Luck's you have to be big, lucky to get the cards. Right? Luck is a big element, no doubt about it. But uh, the dice game, it's all luck. There's no skill whatsoever there. Um, so was, there was some illegal gambling going on. There was some food being sold, uh, which was, of course, none of this was operating with a permit. Nobody went to the government and asked permission to gather in what was a public area, uh, this uh, railroad square. It's a public park. It's a park. So everybody, likely that was, most of the people that were there, have paid for that uh, the maintenance of that place um, in their taxes, right? I know I've paid thousands <laughs> of dollars in taxes, and I'm pretty sure some of it went to the parks department. Uh, so, so then after about an hour, I would say the police show up, three cops, uh, arrive and one of them is the city prosecutor dressed in a police uniform because he is a cop. The prosecutor is also a cop apparently. And he comes up, I'm sitting there at the gambling table, just, I'm just doing my thing, you know, rolling the dice, throwing some money in the pot, just gambling. And he comes up and, uh, I forget what darn questions he was asking me, but he, uh, I, I didn't really want to answer his questions. He gave me this, uh, complaint form, which is uh, essentially them saying, you need to come to the courtroom and answer this complaint, which says, it's very difficult to read, but it basically says, you are using Railroad Square without a permit. And apparently that's illegal. So, 
the 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 part about this that's so strange is you didn't set up Freedom Fest. This no, I time. did not. not uh, you me. have in the past, but you did not this time. Right. So they have given you a ticket for something you didn't do. Well, they were claiming that I was a sponsor of the event, and they also gave one to Toby from uh, your co-host on Free Minds TV. Nick, he got one of these things. Yeah, we're uh, we're 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 definitely going to fight that because we've in the past we've made it clear since the last time it was done without a permit that we weren't sponsors. Correct. However, the uh, it, the event was is a decentralized sort of an event. There was a guy that was kind of organizing things, uh, but he was not the guy that made the flyers. The person that made the flyers put uh, put Freekeen, which is uh, a website that I am involved in, and they put Free Minds TV uh, like kind of the headline sponsors. So it was like Free Minds TV and Freekeen brings you Keen Freedom Fest. And so essentially what these cops did was they went on the website, they found the flyer, and they said, aha! Aha! Evidence. And, yes, and uh, then they went and they went to you know like Free Minds TV and they saw Toby and they oh we know who he is and then they went to uh, Free Keen and they saw me we know who he is and so then they wrote up these little uh, pink pieces of paper came out to Freedom Fest and said now you've got to come to our court. Well, I I think that uh, first off I think you've been you know it's 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 crappy investigation and I don't think that will matter much. It seems likely to me that uh, you this is probably going to be a violation as opposed to some kind of jury anything. You probably won't get. Uh, a jury. Uh, uh, if you plead not guilty, it goes to a jury trial. Oh, that'd be, that'll be I'd great. Be, that'll be, be awesome I'd to believe. get in front of a jury. However, Ian's going to to say a bunch of things that'll likely get him thrown into a jail cell before <laughs> he ever gets a chance to um, do that. But you know, it's, yeah, I'd like to see uh, evidence of a complaining uh, damaged party. Other than this flyer, they have no evidence that you were in any way involved. You no, were there, um, so that's going to be that's right. going to be somewhat damning. And it, I think you're going to have a difficult time sort of getting out of this, uh, even though there's even though you didn't do it. Did I don't you, know what to expect. Did you approve the flyer? Uh, I did personally? not. Because I know we did not, and we probably wouldn't have had we seen. <laughs> we, I mean, we wouldn't have because anything that says we are sponsoring it, yeah. um, we had been careful to avoid that in the past. Um, but I know we're going to fight it in court, not taking the non-cooperative approach, but rather the we didn't do it approach. So you know, we'll good see example. how it goes. Uh, yeah, we will, and we'll talk more about it here as it develops here on Free Talk Live. And, of course, you can go to freekeen.com to get the latest. I'll scan in the, uh, the, the copy of the complaints. So you can actually see it for yourself. Uh, and, of course, we'll continue to discuss this as it co- uh, goes on. It has been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And we're back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.